Can you imagine a large entity pulling you out of bed? Yikes. Up next on Jim Harold's Campfire. Welcome to our gathering tonight. Here we share stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things. Sit back, relax, and warm yourself by Jim Harold's Campfire. Welcome to the Campfire. I am Jim Harold. This is the show where we share real stories from real people about real supernatural and paranormal things that have happened to them. Welcome to the program. And if you are so inclined and you like to wear spooky stuff... Check out our mausoleum of merch at jimherald.com slash merch. That is jimherald.com slash M-E-R-C-H. Click on the Etsy option and you'll go to my mausoleum of merch. And we've been putting up a ton of spooky designs and a lot of fun stuff. Even one for St. Patrick's Day. We have shirts, hoodies, mugs, whatever it might be. I think you'll like it. Your support helps us bring you great stories like these. Oh, I love to hear from return callers. Corey is back from Washington State. He had this uh, kind of time reversal story about a weird driver uh, a while back. And he's back with another fascinating story that touches on one of my favorite topics, the whole idea of past lives. Corey, welcome to the show again. And tell us uh, about your brush with uh, possibly a past life. You bet. Thanks for having me. So, um, this story takes place years ago when I was in college and one summer I was, uh, living in an apartment with a girl that I was dating at the time. And for the purposes of the story, we'll call her Jane. And, um, on some occasions, Jane, she would talk in her sleep. But one thing I discovered about her was that unlike other people who you hear talking in their sleep, you could have a conversation with her. Like it would be kind of dreamlike, but back and forth, you could, you could talk pretty, pretty fluently. Well, one night trying to find something to watch on TV and we end up finding, um, a TV show about, uh, hypnotherapy and past life regression. Thought it was interesting. And it's where a hypnotist will guide someone and then they will start speaking as if it's a, a past life of theirs. And then we had dinner and then eventually went to bed later. I heard her talk in her sleep again. And I, in the middle of the night, young, stupid college student, I had this idea. What if I tried to do what the hypnotherapist did? Now, before I continue, I did, I did do that. Of course, I want to say I had no expectation that anything would come of this. Uh She'd never told me about any experiences she'd had, no past life or paranormal, anything. Um, so I went ahead and tried it. Um, though I'll talk about my feelings on trying that in a moment. I'll get to that after I tell that part. Um, so I mimicked as best I could what the hypnotherapist did in a very calm voice. I said, hello, Jane, this is Corey. I wanted to ask if it would be okay if I could try to talk to the person you were in a past life and I'm going to count down from 10 to one. And then I did. And I said, hello, who am I speaking to? And then she kind of half sat up and kind of her eyes were quite open. She looked at me and she said, Ariel, Whoa. she said a name. And, and that wasn't from the show. This wasn't something from the show. And I, my first thought was like, is this the little mermaid? What's going on here? <laughs> and I, but, and I was, and I was a skeptic then I'm less so now after listening to your podcast and other experiences of people I know, but back then I thought, okay, surely she must be dreaming. What is this? So I started asking really open-ended questions, right? I didn't want to ask things like, are you wearing a blue dress with 
white polka dots on a Tuesday. Like, no, I wouldn't ask anything leading. I just asked, what year were you born? Where did you live? When did you, things like that. So I did this for about 30 minutes and here's what I can remember all these years later. She, she told me her full name. Uh, she said that she was born in 1903, that she immigrated from Cork County, Ireland in like the early 20th century. Uh, she was one of several children and she lived in hell's kitchen in New York for several years. Whoa. Uh, she, yeah, no, there's more, (laughs) there's some more. So she worked, uh, for a laundry she talked about a laundry business she worked in and not like a modern laundromat but like where you're physically you know washing the right. clothes and she described this mean old boss that she had um she, and I, she would give me details throughout her life she told me that she was married to a firefighter but he died on the job um like you know and and it just kept going and eventually i you know asked her what year she died and the year happened to be about one year after i knew that jane had been born now, then that moment, I was a little bummed. I mean, I was still, again, fascinated by all this, but I thought in my head, well, does that make this not possible? Then maybe this isn't a past life thing. And I've learned since then talking to other people like, no, it's time works different. And there's different reasons why that could still work. It wasn't like the date she gave is like a decade off or something like right. that. I should also note that during this entire time, she was speaking in, in an Irish brogue. She huh. can't she couldn't do accents when she was awake. Like one time, I think she tried oh, to do man. a silly British. She, she, yeah, right. She tried to do like a silly British accent once one, awake and it didn't work. So, right. So I'm suitably freaked out, but I say, okay, well, thank you, Ariel. I'd like Jane to return and go back to sleep. And I counted 10 and she went to bed. That was it. So needless to say, I was kind of freaked out and I didn't sleep much that night. But what really actually gnawed at me was I realized I didn't really have her waking consent to do this. I talked to her sleeping self. And so the next morning I came to her and said, Jane, I, I, I'm really sorry, but I tried the hypnotherapy thing we saw on the show last night, but I did that and you were asleep. And even though you talked to me, you weren't really awake. And I, I felt terrible. And I, you know, I expected her. She had every right to be angry as anyone would. But she was like, wait, you did. She's like, what? Ha- well, what did I say? What were uh-huh. the things you heard? And I said, okay, well, and I had notes and I showed her and she was fascinated. And I say, do you remember talking to me in your sleep? Do you remember me at all? What do you remember? And she goes, you know, now that you say it, I do remember like it was the turn of the 20th century. It was a long time ago. And I was like a woman in old style dress. And I remember something about Ireland. And I said, you don't remember me at all? She's like, no, I don't remember talking to you or seeing you at all. And that's all she remembered. And we, and I said, well, again, I said, I'm really sorry it happened. I shouldn't, I should have asked you. And I just felt terrible and we, we didn't talk about it. But then later that night when we're getting ready to go to bed, she, she comes to me and says, Corey, I would like you to actually try it again. And I said, really? And they're like, are you absolutely sure? And she's like, yes, I want you to do it again. Try to talk to whoever you talked to last night, see who else you can talk to. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're positive. So she came to me and asked me to do this again. So I had full permission. So I waited till about one or 2 AM. She was completely asleep and I tried talking to her again. She answered back. I did the the spiel that I did the previous night, um, counting from 10, et cetera. And I spoke with Ariel again and I asked all the questions I asked the previous night, but in a different order. And I thought, well, okay, maybe she, Jane's just remembering the details that I gave her in them, you know, you know, yesterday from the notes. So I said, okay. I would like to speak to whomever was the life before Jane. Can I do that? Or before Ariel? And she said, yes. So I count down from 10 and I say, hello, who am I speaking to? And now it's a totally different personality. 
with a very noticeable southern drawl, like from the deep south in the U.S. Huh. And now this doesn't last as long. And and it's again, I ask open-ended questions. This only lasts about three or four minutes. This personality is a little girl, maybe 10 or 11 years old. She seems to indicate that she lives on like a plantation in the South. And I'm like, well, that's got to be what Civil War or post-Civil War. Um, and it kind of checks out time-wise if that's, a you know. And, and I kind of try to just, g- I'm gently asking, what's your name? And she says, I won't tell you what my name is because I don't know who you are. Like in a very Ooh. angry tone. And I'm like, okay. And I'm. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and but she stops, and I go, "Okay, thank you." I, I you know I didn't want to upset her any further, but I had only been a couple minutes of doing this, and and Jane was very like, "I want you to see how far you can go with this." So I'm like, "Okay, I will." Again, this is what she said before, and now I'm doing it. You know, so I say, "I'd like to speak to whom your previous life was." Can I do that? And she said, "Yes." And I count backwards from ten to one, and then I said, "Who am I speaking with?" And this time, she's a even younger girl, and she has a British accent. So it's the third accent she's on. Huh. And I ask open questions like I did before. And I don't remember if I got a name. I can't remember that. But this time, it seems like she was living in England yeah, for, again, kind of a rich family um, in the British countryside. She was like six or seven. Um, her father was rich and he, he went to work in London, but she didn't see him very often. She was very lonely. She had lots of like, there were servants and a nanny in this large manor she lived in, but she was very lonely. And what was interesting this time is that she actually was describing as if she was really there, um, describing what was happening instead of the other two personalities who were like in a void somewhere. And she was very playful. Like she had this just bubbly personality and very excited and kept saying, if she could see me too, that was the other part of it. I said, do you know who I am? She's like, oh, I have no idea, but can you play with me? And she wanted to like play with a ball or something like that. And I thought, this is just bizarre. And she kept referring to nanny as like talking to someone else that was there. Um, And I said, what's nanny doing? Oh, she's helping me get ready to go into town to see father. Like, okay. And I said, well, can you, where is nanny now? And she looks up, she sits up and looks right past me and goes, oh, hello, nanny. There you are. Oh, man. And Jim, oh, okay. I thought, I thought there was somebody. And I looked around. There's nobody there that I can see. But, you know, I felt something going on. And I, at that point, I'm done. I said, okay, well, this has been lovely. I'm sorry. I have to go now. And she goes back to sleep. And that was pretty much it. I, I shared the notes the next morning. I didn't know what to make of it. She just thought it was really cool and interesting. And then we just... We just, I don't really think we ever talked about it again. Like that was it. I think I was just freaked out enough where I didn't want to touch it. Um, the internet wasn't what it was back then that it is now. So I didn't really, I tried to do some research about at least the first personality that I had some info on and a name. I didn't find anything. I just haven't tried it since then. But yeah, that was, I think after that, I've been less of a skeptic about things because it's easily the most paranormal, supernatural, anything I've ever encountered. That is wild. Now, let me ask you, because to me, I believe there is something to this. I mean, uh, people who have listened to me and have followed the the reincarnation topic have heard about James Leininger, the young boy who could tell all this stuff about being mm. in a, uh, uh, I, I think it was a Army Air Corps squadron in the Second World War, and he had all this great uh uh, details ended up going oh, wow. to a reunion with them and say, oh, Ralph, you got old, you know, I mean, and <laughs> wow. he would know things. And this is a probably one of the, the most famous modern, quote, reincarnation, possible reincarnation uh, 
case out there except in the last 20 years or so. Don't yeah. I'm be interested to see what happened to him. I ought to research that. But anyway, yeah. point is, is that I don't believe all these people are making it up. If you look at the work of Ian Stevenson and Jim, Jim B. Tucker at the University of Virginia, and I've interviewed Tucker before, tried to get him on again for some reason. He won't come back. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I got to talk to him once. Um and I think there really is something, and these stories go back to multiple cultures. Now, originally, I thought, oh, this is proof of past lives, and mm-hmm. it may very well be. Sure. But the other thing that, and this is not an original thought, the other thing that I think is maybe it's not a past life of that individual, but somehow they're tapping into the universal consciousness and essentially yeah. channeling that person. So yeah. it's, it's it's not something they're making up or putting on. It's real, but they're just channeling it and it could be interpreted in different ways. What do you, do you have any conclusion after this happened to you? That is, that's something I actually considered after that. I think at the time, I don't think I was even aware of that. What you just said is a possibility. And I think my first thought was, past lives and but i've heard so many different experiences from different people over time that i thought it might be a a channeling of you know different either attached spirits or just uh, they're just open and some people are talking to me and through me and just the different personalities each time and i did ask her you know later do you remember reading a book with these people in it and you see a movie she's like not that i can ever remember and you know talking i've told this story to people who were very skeptical and even if the thing that I say, even if let's just say she wasn't channeling anything or wasn't reliving anything, even if this was just her dreaming it and making it up still, that's a testament to just how fascinating and complex and strange the human mind is. Yeah. The right? fact she could do accents and she couldn't do them in her waking. <laughs> right. Or keep the details straight and yeah. invent store and the progression of the time period seemingly. I mean, I tried to kind of get a sense of when they were, but so, but I, I think you're right. I think it, it's, if it's not past life regression, I, I feel like it could be a channeling, uh, like you mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's one of those mysteries we love to explore. Thank you for sharing this story today on the campfire. Thank you, Jim. Kara is on the line from my home state, O-H-I-O, Ohio. And we're so glad to have her here. And uh, she's going to take us back quite a few years to story uh, about her dad many years ago. And we're so glad to have her on the line. Kira, welcome to the program. I know you're new, uh, relatively new, just the last few months. We appreciate it very much. And please tell us your story. Sure. Hi, Jim. Uh, yeah, this is my dad's story. And he believes this took place in 1967. And this was when he was a student at uh, Dutchess Community College in upstate New York. And uh, in late December of that year, the school organized a ski trip to Mohonk Lake Ski Lodge. And he and his friend, whose name was Jim, actually, (laughs) and their respective girlfriends uh, drove up for this ski trip. And one of the highlights of this trip was going to be they were having a very dressy semi-formal party and my dad's always been a guy who really likes to look slick you know I remember him when I was a kid he actually owned his own tuxedo so he really took this very seriously and he was in his cummerbund and his shiny shoes and he was ready for a great night and so a few hours into the party my dad thinks it was probably around 11 he and his friend got into some verbal sparring probably for the girl's benefit about which of them could throw a baseball the farthest and they were yeah they were both rather competitive they were on the soccer team and you know they're 
kind of puffing up for the girls a little bit. So they decide that they are going to settle this like gentlemen and take it outside and throw snowballs to see who can throw the farthest. So they doff their dress coats and they head outside briefly to throw snowballs uh, for their own honor. And um, according to my father, he won this little contest. I have not been able to verify this from any outside sources, but that's what he tells me. So um, as you might imagine, after they do this, they this quickly devolves into a, a snowball fight um, out by the main road uh, in front of the ski lodge between the two of them. And so they're horsing around, um, getting cold and wet and uh, throwing snowballs at each other. And my dad remembers seeing a couple of large lights coming at him, which he perceived as being a semi-truck coming down the main road in front of the ski lodge. And the next thing he knows, as though it's just been a blink of an eye, he is lying on the ground under a tree. It is broad daylight, and he has no idea where he is. He looks to the side. He sees his friend Jim is also next to him on the ground, either unconscious or simply sleeping. And he, you know, shakes. He's like, Jim, Jim, where are we? What happened? And so he wakes up and they're looking around and they they seem to be in a park like setting. There's large buildings in the distance. And, uh, you know, they get up and kind of stumble around and try to figure out where they are. They see a White Castle restaurant eventually a few blocks away. So they go in there. Um, and realize that they sometime between their little snowball fight at 11 or so at night and late morning, bright sunlight the next day, they have traveled to Van Cortland Park in the Bronx, which is 90 miles from the ski lodge where they were staying. And they have absolutely no memory of it whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, nothing. They have absolutely nothing. So the the folks at the White Castle are kind and let them make the long distance call to the ski lodge to contact their girlfriends who, as one might imagine, have progressed from, you know, bemused to annoyed to furious to concerned to panic stricken because their boyfriends who were supposed to be outside for five minutes have seemingly vaporized and nobody has seen any sign of them. So they, uh, they they tell the girls where to find Jim's car keys, um, and the girls go you know go find his car keys, and they have to drive ninety miles to go pick up my dad and his friend, who have absolutely no idea what happened. They they still have their wallets in their pockets, all the money's accounted for. They they traveled without be they weren't mugged, they weren't hypothermic, they didn't spend anything to get where they ended up. And they, they they didn't even have a foggy memory. It was just a blink, and there they were the wow. next day. Yeah. So, does your dad have any theories? He he doesn't. Funnily enough, he didn't even tell me about this until I was an adult, and it was sort of like, "Isn't life funny?" I'm like, Dad, you know. So the family, we all have theories ranging anywhere from aliens to something that would fit more into a true crime scenario <laughs> yeah but we um but they were completely unharmed um to my understanding and to my dad's recollection neither he you know nor his friend ever developed any memory of the entire event um but it's so it's just a, a great mystery but we don't know 
It really is one of those true head scratchers. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. what do you do with that? I mean, I think that people who listen to this show, probably the first place that uh, they'll jump is the the idea of some kind of alien abduction. I mean, I think that's the first place I know that's the first place my mind went. But like <laughs> yeah. you said, there could have been a true crime scenario, maybe where they were kidnapped and somebody intended to do something nefarious and then change their mind, you know? I mean, Yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, how weird is that? Kira, yeah. I often say, I, I can't give you an explanation just to say that it is yet another example of what a strange world we live in. But thank you for joining us in our strangeness and talking about these stories. And uh, thank you to you and your dad uh, for sharing with us because uh, it is certainly one that makes us scratch our head. Thanks a lot, Jim. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Ritual. You know, sometimes you've trusted your gut and you thought, that was a mistake. I remember one time I had a book that I really loved and I lent it to a coworker and they ended up splitting with their ex. And I said, where's the book? And he said, I don't know. And that was a time I trust my gut that I shouldn't have. And uh, probiotics can help you with most of your gut decisions, but if your gut needs a little support, Ritual has your back. They've made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Now, I trust Ritual and Symbiotic Plus because... They do things the right way. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, later. They have a great supply chain. They've got great experts. They use science in uh, creating these products in a very strong way. And I just trust Ritual. I take Ritual products every day. And uh, their daily three-in-one prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic has two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. Postbiotics provide fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. Delayed release capsule? Well, it's designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract, and it's all in one minty capsule. No refrigeration needed. Symbiotic Plus has been rigorously tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals. I told you they did things the right way, and they're really very science-focused. Ritual invested in a study modeling the human colon, which showed Symbiotic Plus significantly increased microbial diversity and the growth of beneficial bacteria. Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO projects, certified gluten and major allergen-free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash campfire. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash campfire for 20% off. That's R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash campfire for 20% off. And we thank Ritual and Symbiotic Plus for their support of the campfire. If you love the campfire, be sure to check out the Paranormal Podcast, where every week Jim interviews experts and authors about strange mysteries. Find it for free wherever you listen to this podcast. Tune in to the Paranormal Podcast today. Now we return to Jim Harold's Campfire. Well, we have a return caller. She's been with us for a long time. Amber is back. She was with us back in 2019. 
and she has a terrifying tale today. She is calling in from Oregon. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us and tell us what happened. Well, thanks for having me back, Jim. Um, I was uh, asleep in bed one night and I was woken up with this feeling of hands running up on my ankles, kind of moving up towards my knee. Oh. And I was, yeah, I was thinking to myself, am I still dreaming? What's going on? Because I was, I was home alone that night. Nobody else was in the house with me. Uh, trying to figure out, like, you know, do I just need to wake up more? And then uh, I get pulled, I get tugged. Oh, man. So I, yeah, and so I jolt up, sitting up. And I think when I did that, I startled the whatever it was because it dropped my left leg. Uh-huh. It still had a hold of my right leg. Um, I was I was thinking a person because it felt like hands, but the I had a nightlight on in the bathroom that's right next to my bedroom, and I could kind of see. Um, <laughs> What, what was there and it was this large black shape it wasn't exactly human like it had uh it had kind of what looked like maybe very long arms but it didn't really have what you would notice as like a head oh, on, man. on like a person it, it was it was horrifying it was very and it was solid it was like this solid dark mass um i'm i'm starting to panic at that point seeing this this thing because I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what this is and um, I'm I'm pulling myself away from it mm-hmm. and then it it laughed and it was the most terrifying laugh because it didn't sound like a human laugh it sounded like something imitating a human oh gosh. laughing yeah it was it was really scary and then it grabbed my left uh, leg down by like my ankle oh my god it pulled me again harder this time and it felt like it wasn't really putting in much effort having to do that oh my god um yeah so i, I yeah i'm really terrified by this point i I'm still struggling to get away from it. And then I hear um, a voice just like come in and scream. Like it just yells, stop. And then it, uh, it lets go of my, my legs. They, they kind of fall back on the bed. I pull myself back into bed. I'm looking around and I can see that instead of a black mass, it's like this black sort of like cloud or vaporous thing like like smoke maybe and I, I don't know if i said out loud or in my head but i was i was thinking at least that it's still here and i was still terrified because it's like it's still it's still around me you know what do i do and then this white uh ball or orb it's like it kind of came in or dropped down from the ceiling and it comes over me and it's so beautiful like it was just this white light and inside of it it was like um almost like an intricate pattern but it kept 
changing. It made me think of like a kaleidoscope, how when you, uh, you know, you move around and the, the pattern changes yeah. in there. It was, it was like that. And it was just so beautiful. And it was just, it stayed over me and I could see the, uh, the black, like mist or smoke or whatever is dissipating and going away. And I, I don't know how long it took because I just was laying there staring at this. Uh, and then it, the smoke all disappeared. And for a brief moment, like all these tiny little like white spikes, almost like you would think of like stars. If you looked up in the sky, popped, it's like they popped on for a second and then poof, like all of the lights, even the large orb that was over me, uh, gone. Like they, like they winked out kind of. Wow. And yeah. Do you, um, do you, do you feel that it was like a battle of good and evil? Like you were like the pawn and like good and evil were kind of fighting over you and good won out? I, I, I don't, maybe, I, I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> it's, it was just really, it's such a, it was such a scary moment for me, I think, that sure. it's really hard for me. I, I don't know. It, it, it could be, and I, I it, it could be that I definitely felt like there was, um, yeah, something going on. <laughs> I, I I wish I I did have more answers, or could I just? It's it's one of those those things. I'm not really sure what to make of it. And obviously, I mean, people will say, "Where well, Amber? Were you dreaming? You you weren't dreaming, were you?" Oh no, <laughs> no, I I I definitely not. I. I don't. I don't think I could have gone through all that and been asleep. And and also, I I think to myself, it would probably be less scary to me if somebody would tell me that it was just a dream, because you know, knowing that there are these terrifying things out there that can interact with you is that's that's not a, a pleasant thought. So, and I don't. I don't know why. I I think that's probably why it's it's difficult for me to to really understand or or categorize it as anything because i just don't know why what why it was there that night or why me or anything like that it just it was it was there and it was scary so (laughs) and nothing else like that anything unusual since no no thankfully not that was it was pretty terrifying, and I'm I'm grateful to not have anything that scary happen. Was there anything about the place you're in that you think led to this, or do you think it would have happened anywhere? And I I think it would have happened anywhere. I don't think it had anything to do with the place, and uh, because yeah, I mean I've slept yeah it's it's where I live, so I've slept there since then, and nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's I don't think it's the place. Uh, yeah, I I don't know, and I don't know why me. I don't know if I was just picked at random or if it, there was a particular reason. Hmm. Um, but it's just it's very scary to to think that oh, you know, 
this could happen to anybody. So, Well, I do believe there are positive forces out there, and I do believe there are negative forces. I, I'm one who believes yeah. in good and evil. Some people think that's trite mm-hmm. and kind of out of fashion, but I still believe there's good and evil. And it sounds like yeah. you might have encountered both in that same evening. I, I think so. It is reassuring that there are good things out there that are, you know, that will help us in our time of need when we encounter these horrifying things. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. That's true. Um, that's well, a definitely, yeah. Well, I was going to say we're grateful for people like you who will come on and share their story, even when it's a bit distressing. And thank you for doing that. And thank you for being a part of the campfire tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me back on, Jim. Next up on the campfire is Andrew. He is calling in from Colorado, and we're so glad to speak with him. And he has a couple of experiences with family members that he's going to talk to us about. Andrew, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, and tell us what happened. Okay, um, I actually have two stories, but uh, if we have time, I'll tell the second one. But the first one, I think, is a bit more uh, important. Um, so, uh, I was 16 years old at the time, um, and I had just got my driver's license a couple months before. So, you know, new teenager, I was out driving, I had went to a party and, um, at the party, I kind of felt a little, I don't know, under the weather or something. So I, I decided to come home early. I came home around 10 PM and everyone, you know, my parents were asleep. Uh, I have a couple of brothers and sisters, they were in bed too. So. It was a Saturday night. I decided to make myself a snack and go down into the den and watch Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went downstairs. I sat on the couch, and uh, I'll just note that I had a little dog at the time, and that we had a little dog, and she would pretty much shadow me anytime I was in the house, especially if I had food. So I was uh, sitting down on the couch, uh, eating my snack. Like I said, it was around ten thirty, maybe eleven o'clock at night, and. Um, we were the only ones awake in the house and uh out of nowhere maybe i was probably been sitting down maybe 10 or 15 minutes and my dog started growling at the stairs um which come down into the downstairs and uh i didn't understand this so i was trying to keep her quiet and mm-hmm. um maybe a few more minutes passed and she jumped off the couch and actually started yapping at the stairs so at that point i i knew my dad was going to wake up and i didn't want him to wake up and tell me to go to bed so he, he did wake up and he kind of yelled down the stairs, you know, hey, can you keep the dog quiet? Uh, you know, everyone's asleep and or either just take her in your room. So I, I said, OK, and I, we went and sat back down. So everything kind of calmed down for maybe the next 15 minutes. And then it started again. She started growling at the stairs. And um, at that point, I, I actually heard the stairs creaking like somebody was walking down the stairs. And I assumed it was my dad coming down to tell me to go to bed or to take her to bed and uh but then uh, when no one came down the stairs, I was then a bit s- surprised and perplexed. So um, I tried to ignore it. Uh, I kind of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up for a moment. But then I just continued watching TV. And then uh, she she growled again. And I out the corner of my eye, I actually saw a shadow um, come down the stairs. And there, we had a little bar, as mo- mo- a lot of people did in the 80s and the downstairs. We had a little, my dad had a little bar. And um, I saw the shadow kind of dart behind the bar. And that really spooked me. I didn't know. I thought maybe, you know, we had an intruder. I didn't know exactly. So I, I got up and I made my way over there and, uh, I actually got the dog and put her in my bedroom and closed the door before I went over there because I wanted to see what was going on. And there was no one there. And, uh, but for some reason, like I said, the hair on the back of my neck 
continued to stand up. So mm-hmm. I made my way up the stairs and the stairs, as you got to the top, you were in the kitchen, but you could see directly into the living room. So as I got to the top of the stairs, I looked into the living room and we had um, some curtains that the streetlights kind of came in and I could clearly see a man sitting in the chair mm. by the window. Oh man. Um, and it, yeah. And it spooked me. Um, I could see his hair was slicked back. I could see every definition. And he was just sitting there still and quiet. And uh, at that point, I was very scared. I, I All the hairs were standing up. And it, it just like in a spooky dream, I could not, <laughs> I couldn't scream. Like I didn't have any voice. I tried to call for my dad. I tried to call for anyone I could. And I, I couldn't speak. I was just speechless. I couldn't, you know, and as I started to struggle to try to, you know, call for my father, because I thought we had an intruder in the house, um, the the shadow just somehow just faded into the the curtains. Huh. Like it, it went away. And I was very spooked by that. So my dad um, did wake up and he came out and I told him what I saw. And uh, he asked me if I had been drinking or something. And I said, no, of course not. I, I, I'm No, I'm not. And I said, maybe I was just seeing things. So he went back to bed. I, I ended up just going straight to bed. I turned the TV off and I went to my room and I was a little spooked out the rest of the night. So the next morning was Sunday. And uh, as my dad always did on Sundays, he would make a big breakfast, pancakes and all that. And um, I could smell the food cooking or, you know, and my brothers and sisters were all up so I could hear everybody was awake in the kitchen. So I woke up and I was eating my breakfast and uh, right in the middle of breakfast, our phone rang and my dad got up and he answered the phone and he listened for a little bit. And then I could see he stared directly at me. And um, as I said, I was 16 at this time and it was the very first time that I'd ever seen my dad cry. And I actually saw tears come down his eyes. And um, mm-hmm. he hung up the phone and he said that uh, my aunt was on the phone and she told him that my grandfather had passed away last night. Oh, so you think it was, you think it was maybe him? Yeah, I do think it was my grandfather. Wow. Um, I think he was maybe looked younger because he seemed much taller and more hair, you know, but yeah, I did. I did see that. Well, I can tell you that that I've heard that many times that when you see a past loved one, well, first of all, you have these. I think that this falls under the category of what Dr. Raymond Moody, who invented the term near-death experience, called shared death experiences. So when people elsewhere uh, see the person, uh, there's different kinds, but one of the kinds when you're at a different location, you see the person at time of passing also i often hear that when people see ghosts they see the person it could be a loved one they know but they see them in the prime of their life like if they're their apex like if they're healthiest not maybe if they were older and had some health issues and those kind of things that's not sometimes not what they see sometimes they see them in like um perfect they look like they're in perfect health yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that i agree is, that is that is really interesting and i do you feel, did that give you some comfort uh, seeing that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, I think we both knew deep down inside that's who was visiting that night, for sure. Yeah, that's, well, that that's a neat story. I mean, I know it's difficult, but it is neat. Now, I do want to hear your other story. We'll get you back on the show to tell that one. Thank you for being a part of the show tonight. All right. Thank you so much, Jim. Take care. Stay spooky. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Rocket Money. Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? 
I'll raise my hand. I've done that plenty of times. It's easy to see why that is. You shouldn't blame yourself. It's it's hard to find time to manage finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing anyone wants to do is spend time budgeting expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions. You want to kind of kick back. But it can be easy by using Rocket Money. It does it all for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of expenses. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help you cancel it with a few taps. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash campfire. That's rocketmoney.com slash campfire, rocketmoney.com slash campfire. And we thank Rocket Money for their support of Jim Harold's Campfire. Want the entire Campfire archive going back to 2009 plus much more? Get in on Jim's Plus Club at jimheraldplus.com. Now, back to another great story. Shiloh is on the line, and uh, I think this is going to be a frightening one because something that I've heard a lot about, a lot of people have talked about it on the show, is the hat man. But all I've done is talk about it. Shiloh has experienced seeing the hat man multiple times, and she's going to tell us about it. Shiloh, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, and uh, please tell us your story. Thanks, Jim. I'm excited to yeah tell my story. So um, I currently live in Chicago, but I grew up in Maryland, about an hour north of Baltimore. Um, and I grew up in pretty rural Maryland. So uh, my house was surrounded by cornfields, and we had cousins that lived everywhere. So it was very rural, farmy type place to live. Um, and my experience happened when I was between the ages of four and six. Um, and I have very vivid memories of it. It's probably my most vivid memory from my childhood. Um, so the, the way my house was set up, um, I had a corner bedroom and my bedroom door looked out into the hall and there was a hall light that we always slept on. My brother's rooms were across the hall. My mom always left the light on, um, just as kind of, you know, a comfort to her sleeping children. Um, so the light would would shine into my bedroom and every night it was like the same thing would happen. I'd go into bed, I'd fall asleep, and then I would wake up in the middle of the night and the first thing I would notice is that I couldn't move. And oh, I man. couldn't move my, yeah, I can't move my hands, I can't move my arms, I can't look over, I can move my eyes, but I can't move my body, can't scream, nothing. So that was the first thing. And then the way my house was set up was that the the front door to the house would be to my left on the wall. So my bed was against the wall and then to the left was the entrance to my house. So I knew by the sound where my front door was. That was a really regular sound to me. And every night it was like, I could hear it originating from that spot. It would be like footstep, chain rattle, footstep, chain rattle, footstep, chain rattle, all the way like the the dozen or, or 15 or so steps 
to my bedroom door. So I, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm frozen and I just, I hear these footsteps and it's consistent and I know it. And then it just appears in my doorway with the hallway light shadow shining into the bedroom is this big, just this large black figure that looks like a man with broad shoulders. And he's got a trench coat and a chain's going down from his hip to his ankle. And he's got this big hat on and he just stares at me in my doorway. Oh my goodness. And there's, there's just kind of this sense that like, and I've heard other people say it on the show too. And that's kind of what gave me the courage to share it. But it was like, if I, if I kept my eyes on him, he couldn't move past the door. But if I looked away, it was like almost like it was giving him permission to move forward somehow. Like in my little kid brain, I knew that. So I, it was, it was this, I'm just staring and I'm staring and I can't move. And I just, it's the, most afraid I've ever been. I've never been more afraid than than that. And I dread it to this day. I've had sleep paralysis episodes as an adult, but I've never seen this figure. Um, and I tried to tell my family, I, we, you know, amongst my family, they know that we called it the big black thing because I had no way to describe to my family what I was seeing. You know, they thought I just didn't want to sleep in my room alone. Right. But it was just this dark, like evil figure. Now let me um, let me, and ask, I haven't seen it since I was little. But. Let me ask you one question. Now I've heard people describe the Hat Man and Shadow People um, as a whole cut into the universe, almost like it's darker than dark. There's nothing. There's nothing yeah. there. It's like a void. Is that what it appeared to to you to be? Yes, very much so. It was just like. So dark, like just can't imagine. And the feeling that came with it was dark. And my mom shared with me. So my family didn't believe me until years later when we were watching a paranormal documentary and someone shared about the hat man and sleep paralysis and how it's all tied in. And I literally looked at my family and said, that is exactly what I saw. And their jaws just dropped. They were like, oh my gosh, we didn't believe you. So that was really cool. And then to be able to talk to them about some of the experiences they've had in the house too. So it's just, yeah. Lots of, lots of things. <laughs> so what do you think it was? What do you think it was emanating from? Or do you have any idea? So, I feel like the question that I've been left with kind of forever is if experiences, so it's so tightly tied with sleep paralysis, you know, people describing not being able to move. And I've always asked myself, does sleep paralysis invite the hat man or does the hat man invite sleep paralysis? So I kind of always have this question. Are you there? Are you there? Hello? Well, you know, wait, Shiloh, Shiloh, I got to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this in. You cut out for about 15 seconds and it sounded really scary. It sounded like you collapsed. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, did the hat man get her? So, so repeat that no. part because I was like, "Oh my gosh, where's Shiloh? Where's Shiloh? Go ahead, <laughs> maybe back yeah. up about thirty seconds." Yes, yeah, sure. So I've, I've, um, I've kind of always had this question as if, as because I've had sleep paralysis as an adult, so I've kind of always wondered if the Hat Man invites sleep paralysis or if sleep paralysis invites the Hat Man. You know, is is it just this kind of being that's attracted to our vulnerability? Um, and I've, I've, yeah, that's kind of the question I've always left wondering because I don't really, I don't really know what it is. I don't really know what the presence is, but so many people talk about it that it's, there's, you know, so many people have experienced it. 
And it does not continue to this day, though. I mean, maybe sleep paralysis, but not the hat man. Yeah. No, I haven't seen him since I was little, and wow. I'm thankful for it. <laughs> thankful for it. Ooh, he is speaking scary. You scared me, Shiloh. That was that was frightening. <laughs> it sounded like a thump. And then we're probably going to leave that in. Uh, wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad that he hasn't shown his his uh, shape, I guess, uh, since yeah. you were small. Um, was there anything you did to get rid of it? Did you did you pray or, or did it just kind of like it's almost like you outgrew it? really sure you know there was a time in my life I was um I was very religious and during that time if I had sleep paralysis episodes you know I would I would say the Lord's Prayer or I would say the name Jesus and and still even though I'm you know maybe not as religious as I was before I still find like comfort in that that there's some kind of like power in that I don't know if it's just the power and believing in a higher being you know but I I I went to church when I was little, so I had that kind of framework. So I guess that was always where my, my brain went as a, as a girl and as an adult. Well, Shiloh, uh, hopefully the hat man will stay far away and you'll stay yes. close <laughs> and keep listening to the campfire. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jim. Next up on the campfire is Riley from New York State, and she listens to the show along with her husband, Pete. So, Pete... Thank you for listening and stay spooky. And uh, Riley has a spooky story, and it goes back to her middle school years. Riley, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, and tell us what happened. Yeah, hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, so this goes back to when I was in middle school. I was probably 13 around that time. Um, And so I grew up in Westchester County, and it's, it's, there are some very it's very historic. There's some very old places here. And the neighborhood I grew up in is very old. And um, so it was around Thanksgiving. And uh, this is, gosh, more than 10 years ago now. And we had Thanksgiving at my aunt's house, who um, happens to live very close up a, up a block from my childhood home. And uh, I was there. And I'm, I'm she kind of, she always let me light the candles for events. Because when I was younger, I really liked lighting the candles i was kind of like a little pyro in that way um (laughs) yeah and so that was always my job and so i'm in the dining room and i'm lighting the candles on like the long tapered candlesticks on the dining table and there were three of them and i lit the first two um and as i go to light the third um it was almost like when someone licks their fingertips and pinches out a candle and it just kind of extinguishes really quick. Yeah. Uh, someone had like licked their fingertips and gone and the candles just went out. Like, huh. but, you know, I didn't see anything but the candles going out. And I was a little freaked out. And, you know, there was um, in the dining room, there was a big archway that led into their living room that had a small staircase that led up to a smaller arched door that led to the second floor. And as I'm standing there wondering how these candles could have gone out, looking around, being like, what? Super confused. The windows were not open. You know, there was no one walking by. I was the only one in the room. And I look up and I look through the arch up to that second arch that's leading into the second floor. And I saw this, I don't even know how to describe it, this like 
gray. It wasn't misty, but I feel like the misty is an easy way to describe it. And I Mm -hmm. feel like as I looked at it longer, it got darker and it was tall standing in the archway. And I was young and that was like my first real experience with anything. I was so freaked out. I I booked it as like I looked at it for like three or five seconds and then I ran in through the kitchen and I, I go to tell my aunt and my aunt at the time they were about to start a renovation on the house mm-hmm. and she was like oh my gosh like and in the years since she shared this with me too but she's like I've always felt like there's something in the house and like you know it's I, I've seen things too like it's spooky and the house was built in I think it was built in 1927. So it's older, but it's not old, old, but it's pretty old. And um, and then it's funny. So more recently, my mom was at her house for Thanksgiving um, and they were decorating in the few days leading up to Thanksgiving. And my aunt is standing, she's painting, she's distracted. She was doing something with the fireplace. But my mom walks into that room and they've changed a little bit of the format, but that part of the staircase is the same that leads to the second landing. Mm-hmm. My mom walked in and she saw the same thing. Huh. <laughs> She's wow. never believed me before. And she saw the same thing in the, um, she describes it as like a, almost like a blanket of gray or a blanket of mist that kind of like developed. And she just didn't, she couldn't say anything. She was speechless and like, she called me and she was like, oh, my God, like I saw the same thing. So, yeah, wow. um, it was pretty crazy. Ten years apart um, about. So that that was a real validation to know that, you know. Yeah, it was pretty validating because my dad thinks he's like, oh, you're you're a little crazy, Riley. Like, you're a little, <laughs> but my husband's all on board. But like, <laughs> So obviously this has probably informed your interest in all this stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I've had, you know, um, other experiences since, but like that was my first one where it was like really strange. Like I couldn't figure it out. And like, I guess you could explain it like if a window is open in a draft, but like there were no windows open. Like I checked, like I remember checking and it just was so distinct, like that pinch of the candle Mm -hmm. and then looking up and seeing that like figure it it was tall i'm hesitant to call it a figure but it was tall because it didn't really have quite you know it didn't have limbs or anything but it was there um and yeah so that it it was pretty crazy it was pretty crazy um and she and my aunt has seen similar things since in that area and another area of the house that's up two floors and now my mom has seen it so yeah is there any specific specific person you guys think it might be my aunt feels like it has a feminine energy to it um Mm -hmm. and we have looked up to see if there's any like notable history on the property um like any tragic deaths or anything because the neighborhood is pretty historic um but we haven't found anything so we just we're not entirely sure um we haven't found anything of that would signify but my aunt thinks it might be a woman very cool very cool indeed riley thank you so much for joining us today sharing this great story and thanks again to pete and uh both of you guys stay spooky (laughs) stay spooky thank you jim
Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Liquid IV. And whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. We love Liquid IV so much here at the Herald household. I have a special guest, Dar. Hey, Hey, Dar. hi. We're going to do a little tasting flight here. Let me. Yes, I created a little tasting flight of yes. some Liquid IV flavors, some of their new flavors. Yeah. Now, what is this one? This that is lemon. Sugar free lemon lime. And that's been around for a while. Let me. Well, get... not the sugar free, the regular has been around. That's a big favorite in our house. Girls love it. Refreshing, refreshing. That's what I like. Can you about. tell it's sugar free compared you know, to the regular yeah, one? Yeah, not really. Right. Not See? really. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So okay. the second one here mm-hmm. is sugar free green grape. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Let's take a t- taste of it. Ooh, I like that. And it's got just a little hint of tartness. Mm hmm. It does, actually. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And I like it because I'm not usually a grape fan, white mm-hmm. or regular grape, but that one is, like you said, very refreshing. And Third one, white peach. White peach. Mm. Yeah, this will be nice for summer. All sugar-free. Yeah, and it's a little more nuanced. Mm-hmm. It's not like beating you right. over the head. Right, which I like because I don't like very strong yeah. flavors sometimes, and that's just very refreshing. I think it just goes to show you can't lose with liquid IV. They're all great, and I think my favorite is lemon-lime because I like that little bit of a punch. Yeah, you know? that's, that's, I think. that's the household favorite. Actually, though, the, my favorite, I have two that are my favorite. They're not here right now, but it's the passion fruit and the tropical punch. Oh, my gosh. I love those. Those are the ones I buy. <laughs> well, Liquid Ivy is great stuff. Thanks for joining us, Dar, to do this little taste test. No, I'm glad. Enjoy. I'm going to take one, though. Dar and I agree that Liquid IV is the bee's knees. We love it. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. Three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink. No artificial sweeteners and zero sugar. Eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code CAMPFIRE at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code CAMPFIRE at liquidiv.com. And uh, really, if you shop at liquidiv.com and use that code CAMPFIRE, that's how the folks at Liquid IV can know that we are making an impact for them and uh, justify them supporting the show. So we would encourage that highly. Plus, you get a huge uh, selection online of different flavors. And, of course, you have the convenience. Thanks so much for your support. Liquid IV. You're listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Nicole is on the line from Western Wisconsin, and we're so glad to have her with us. Her friend Tiffany told her about the show. So, Tiffany, way to go. Thank you, and stay spooky. And by the way, be like Tiffany. Tell your friends today. Share the show from your favorite podcast app. We would appreciate it very much. And uh, Nicole is going to take us back to, uh, uh, you know, something I would think would be a very scary time, at least initially, uh, as it went along back in 2011 and something uh, quite unique that happened to her. And she's going to tell us all about it. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Tiffany. And tell us what happened. Yes. So back in 2011, um, I am a very type A personality. I am go, go, go. Uh, I'm a runner 
And I started to experience some interesting health issues that I didn't really quite have an explanation for, mm-hmm. but kind of just happened overnight, I guess, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, I woke up that morning, was going about my day, went for my run, um, just started to feel really, really strange, just very off, very lethargic. Uh, as the day went on, it became worse and worse and worse. And uh, my husband came home from work about 5.30 and all of a sudden I find myself heading to the emergency room. Oh, um, I my I felt like my heart was racing. I, I literally could not function. Um, had to be carried into the emergency room. Um, but when when I you know get you in they get you into that room that you're on that bed, you know, they told me I had essentially no heart rate. It was very, very low. Um, and I'm just I'm laying there in the bed and and they're asking me the questions, you know, normal things like, what have you been doing today? You know, or telling you to describe your symptoms. And you know, I'm trying to talk to them, trying to answer the questions, and all of a sudden, I'm not there anymore. I'm, I, it was, I didn't know where I was at, but I was just in a room of white. It was just white and I could hear music, but I can't tell you what that music was. It is, I know it isn't music that I've ever heard before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't scared. I was just, you know, in this white listening to this unrecognizable music and i couldn't even tell you if i heard this music again i know that i would recognize it i would say that is exactly what i heard but i have never heard this music before and i know i've never heard it since and then all of a sudden i was back they had to pace me my my heart rate dropped out my heart stopped and they had to pace me i came back and I just was left thinking, what the heck happened? Yeah. And I didn't mention this to them at the time. I I really haven't told a lot of people about this. I have selectively told folks about this, but I was listening to your podcast uh, very recently, and there was a gentleman who had mentioned that he was, you know, it was over Thanksgiving. He was talking to his friends, and all of a sudden, he was gone. And when he woke up, you know, paramedics were over him. He was in a white room, but he had people there. I think it was his grandfather and his story. Now, I didn't have that experience of people being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had the music. So I don't, when I heard his story, it, you know, it was like, holy cow, I have had almost the same experience. Right, right. And, I, if you were to ask me, do I, do I believe that I essentially not passed over, but experienced maybe something like that? I, without a doubt, believe yes. I was, I was clinically dead. They had to pace me to bring my heart rate back. It, I, I have chills right now just talking about this. Sure, sure. Now, let me ask you this. Now, you said you felt very uh, peaceful. So you weren't, yes. uh, once you were in that experience, you weren't afraid per se. Is that correct? That's right. I was not scared. I was not scared. 
Wow. I was just, I don't even know how to, how to, to describe what I was feeling. I was just, I was just there. I felt no fear, no anxiety, no sadness, no apprehension, nothing. I was just there. Like, okay, this is what I'm doing now and I'm wow. okay with it. Wow. Now, um, in terms of like your philosophy, um, has it changed your life philosophy at all? You know, that's a great question. I, I have always believed that, you know, I don't necessarily believe in heaven or hell. I, I do believe that there is something greater. I do believe that, you know, I, that when we leave this earth, that there's something else. The, the thing that it has changed for me is to do the things now that you can do. Take advantage of the opportunities that you have while you're here on this earth and don't be afraid for what is next. You know, don't, don't be scared that, you know, of dying that, oh my gosh, that's the end. I do feel that there is something else. What it is, I don't know. I, you know, I make the most of, of my days now. I, I be the best person I can be. And for whatever is waiting for me on the other side, I'm, I'm going to embrace it with open arms and yeah. I don't have a choice. So, you know, that, yeah. that, that to me sounds like a really good philosophy. It sounds like a really good philosophy. And uh, the thing is, is that, and as um, earlier today, and it probably won't be in the same episode, but we had another caller about an NDE. And to me, just the experiences people have, the things that they see, medical crews and things working on them, things they couldn't possibly know. I totally believe NDEs are a thing. I think it's representative of what happens when we die. And I think it uh -huh. gives us hope that there is something beyond. And it sounds like... Uh, you know, it sounds like it's given you a, a, maybe a, a very specific outlook on on life. Well, thank you so much for sharing that personal story. Sounds like you're doing great now. I mean, that's been uh, quite a while ago. Yes, it is. Um, I, I feel that I'm doing very well now. We, we did figure out what my health issues were. I've been managing them pretty darn good. Um you know, and I hope I have many, many, many more years on this earth because I'm still young. But, you know, like I said, whatever comes after, just welcome it with open arms. There you go. Well, thank you. And thanks to Tiffany, too. And we appreciate you being a part of the campfire. Thank you. Dan is on the line from Pennsylvania. And may I say thank you, sir. You told me you've been listening since about episode 20. So that's about 600 episodes ago. So thank you so much for that. And not only that, you've been a longtime loyal listener from the very beginning when a lot of people didn't even know what a podcast was. You brought one of my favorite kind of stories tonight, a head scratcher. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for being a part of the show and tell us what happened. Thanks, Jim. I got to say again, it's just, it's just an honor to be here. It's just awesome. So thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, one thing I will say, I've I've actually never told this story before. It's it's a weird one. Um, it's inside my head. It's I have this big conflict between the logical side and and the memory of what actually happened. Um, I'm a very analytical person, you know, strong background in physics, uh, programming. 
Um, but but on the same token, um, this is something that's been sticking with me for over 20 years now. And mm. it bothered me from day one, um, the week after that, months after that. And even now, you know, I, I think about it um, a good one or two times a month. It just it has not left me, has really impacted me a, a lot. Um, one thing I want to say too, um, I'm going to throw a couple of data points at you. Mm -hmm. um, I think about um, I'm sure you've heard it in Liverpool, I think it is, where there's a, a crazy number of people that report um, um, the, the, the time slips there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this information is going to be useful to anyone or not, but I think I have it, so I might as well share it. So this story takes place in Levittown, uh, Levittown Pennsylvania, uh, in Bucks County. Um, specifically, my adventure begins at... New Rogers Road. Now, New Rogers Road, I believe, was renamed to Veterans Highway. Um, it is also Route 413. So for the duration of this conversation, I'll try to refer to it as 413. 413 also intersects with Route 1 and Route 513. All three of those roads go north and south. Um, but as you know, roads don't adhere to those strict straight lines. Sure. Um, so, so they sometimes intersect with each other. So, um, so I, I will begin my story now. So, um, in the summer of, it was either between the year 2000 and 2004, I don't remember exactly when, um, but at the time I did not have a car and my mom would often let me borrow her car so that I could get to my job. So what we would usually do, we would carpool together, we'd go to her job. She worked at the American Red Cross building um, at New Rogers Road um, mm -hmm. building. Um, and we we would drive there um we'd get out of the car we'd say goodbye you know i would have the car the rest of the day i'd do my thing come back pick her up um so this particular day we do that we drive to, to her office she gets out i get out we say goodbye i get back in and i'm getting ready to leave and jim i want to add that i am super super familiar with this area um you know as young uh, young adults late teens uh, we would head up all the malls in the area you know we would go to oxford valley mall nishamani mall franklin mills willow grove i um, mean we often take different ways to get there um congestion was an issue in bucks county so it wasn't uncommon for us to take back roads to get from point a to point b um so i knew i knew this area super super well so i digress so this particular day, um, my mom gets out of the car. I get out of the car. We say goodbye. I get back in the car. Um, I proceed to uh, make a right onto 413. I'm heading north, um, and I'm going to take Route 513 home this particular day. And I'm driving, and as I'm approaching the intersection, I'm messing with the radio. And remember that? Messing with the radio? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and um, I end up missing my turn. I end up going right through the intersection. And as I do that, Jim, I say to myself literally out loud, I say, oh, shoot, I meant to turn there. And I, I go about not very far, maybe 15, 30 seconds down the road. And it's not a very fast road. I'm guessing the, the speed limit is probably between 35, 45 miles an hour or something like that. Um, I go about 15 seconds, 30 seconds down the road. I turn around. So at this point in time, Jim, I am heading south towards 513 once again. And I'm heading away from Route 1, which is north of me. I'm heading away from Route 1. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving, and I'm driving for about a minute or two. And Jim, nothing is looking familiar. Um, I, it's, it, doesn't look, it doesn't look odd. It doesn't look out of place. It just doesn't look familiar. It's still like suburban or whatever, right. you know. But I'm driving, and I drive about another minute or two. And again, it still does not look familiar. And at this point in time, I'm starting to get nervous because I need to get home. I need to get ready to go to work. So I can go to work. <laughs> so I'm a little bit nervous. I drive a little more. And again, about another minute or two. And again, 
nothing is looking familiar. And at this point in time, I'm getting forced to go onto a ramp that's going to put me on an expressway. And now I am really getting anxious because I don't know where I am, one. And two, on an expressway, I don't know how far I'm going to be driving before I can actually turn around. I don't right, know how far away right. it is. You'll be driving way out of your way before you can get off. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I take the ramp because I have not, no other options. And I, I get on the expressway. And I'm about... I'm not on there all that long, maybe like that, another 15, 30 seconds, whatever it was. And I see this uh, huge structure to my right, and I think it's a water tower, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. And I immediately know where I am. Um, I am on Route 1, and I am heading south towards Neshaminy Mall. I'm heading south towards the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I'm heading south towards Philadelphia. I'm heading in that direction. And, you know, the, the rest of the day goes by fine. I, I take the, the appropriate exit. I get home. I go to work and whatever. But this sticks with me the rest of the day. And you'll remember when I, when I said this story um, at the beginning, when I turned around, I was heading away from Route 1. There was no way that I could have crossed over Route 1 only to cross back and then get back on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I had the, 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 the idea to look at a map after the fact. And looking at a map, starting at I actually ended up about four miles northwest of where I should have been. Despite driving huh. south, I was about four miles northwest Whoa. of where I should have been. And to this day, it, it baffles me. Um, I, I don't believe that it happened because of my logical side. Yeah. But on the other side, I, I have to believe it happened because it's bo been bothering me for, for 20 some years. So essentially, you're driving all this way in one direction, but you ended up clear on the other way as if you had been driving in the opposite direction. Wow. That is, that is correct, sir. So do you have any theories? I, I have none. It's weird. Um, I... I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and there were landmarks and things you expected to see and you didn't see them. Is that correct? Absolutely. So what I should have seen, um, I should have seen there, there would have been a 7-Eleven. Um, if I kept on driving, um, I would have eventually hit 95, which is a major intersection. It's a major um, highway that goes from Maine to Florida. Um, after that, I would have encountered Route 13. After that, I would have possibly been on my way to New Jersey over the Burlington Bristol Bridge. Um, so I should have seen all of that, and I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Wow. So obviously, it has whetted your appetite for the the unusual. And uh, wow. Huh. Yeah. I, I like that. It's just it's such a weird story that like I, I I've never shared it with anyone because I. Yeah, how could you? How could you believe that story? How could you? It's just so out there. But, but you know, like that hearing hearing stories about the people on your show. You know, there was the one with the people in the elevator. Um, there was the one with the, I forget the title of your show, but it was like the last train from somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's someone someone had a very similar story, and that was I think the most recent one that I heard. And I thought, you know, I, I got to get on here. I got to try to tell this story because it's out there. You know, something I like to do on these calls sometimes is throw out a theory. It doesn't mean that I necessarily think that's the explanation, but just to provide one theory to think about. And I, I want to see it. I want to see if you ever thought about this theory. Uh some people speculate that we are uh in a simulation, basically like uh, a big game of the Sims. And if you've ever played any kind of video games, you know, sometimes there's a glitch, particularly like PC games and things. There's a glitch and like a player ends up somewhere he's not supposed to go uh, or something along those lines. Have you ever just thought that we're all in a simulation and that might have been a glitch in the simulation? Jim, I have thought about that. It definitely has crossed my mind. Um, anything like that, I don't shut that idea out um, because we don't know and we don't know what we don't know. 
And um, I definitely think that is that is certainly possible. Um, a glitch in the matrix, as it were. Um, I, I would definitely entertain that thought. Uh, yes, absolutely possible. Because I often think when people talk about, um, you know, for those of us who, you know, I believe in a higher power, and uh, when you talk about the simulation theory, well, ostensibly, if it's simulation theory, there's a programmer. So if you have a programmer creating a world and people in that world, it's not just another name for God. You know, I had that I had that realization as well. I remember uh, listening to a podcast or a YouTube video, and the person was talking about that very concept. And, and the more he was talking about the simulation, I thought about that. It basically is that. It almost sounds like a higher power at that point. It almost becomes synonymous. Yeah. It's interesting. And again, we never have this. I don't think I've ever given anybody an answer, but uh, we like to provide things to think about. And you've made us think with that one. That's a head scratcher for sure. Dan, thanks for your longtime listenership and uh, being a fan of the campfire. Stay spooky. Thanks, Jim. You stay spooky too. Magnus is on the line from Connecticut. I think Magnus is the first Magnus we've uh, ever had on the show before. It's long overdue. And uh, we're speaking to the greatest today uh, (laughs) because we're going to talk about my favorite subject, one of them at least, a head scratcher. Magnus, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened. Hey, Jim. It's an honor to be here. Um, Yeah, so this um, story takes place in the spring of 2018. Um, yeah, I was working for a, a moving truck rental uh, office in a, a remote mountain town in Central California. Um, yeah, so at the time I was living out of a small camper van, um, and the owner of the company was uh, nice enough to let me uh, park my camper on the property at night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it worked out both of, for both of us. Uh, I got a place to park and um, use the facilities, and he um, basically got a a night watchman. Um, It was never like an explicit requirement of the job for me to be on uh, security detail, but um, I believe, I assume he believed that having me there uh, would be a a deterrent to uh, any kind of trespassers or anything like that. So um, yeah, in this area, um, there was a sizable population of outdoor people, as I would uh, call them, uh, who lived in the woods. Um, and there'd been a few incidences in the past and during my time working there of, uh, trucks being tampered with Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, gas being siphoned and that sort of thing happening. Um, so there, and there are also many occasions when I would find people camping in the back of the empty trucks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the property was an old converted, uh, gas station. Um, it was a small building with a large structural canopy in front, um, and it was located at the intersection, um, at, at an intersection, which by day was a very busy road, mm-hmm. uh, but by night it was dark and, um, pretty desolate. Um, yeah, so the night my story takes place, uh, it was around two or 3 AM and for some reason, uh, that night I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting in the passenger seat of my camper van. Uh, parked in the lot of the truck rental office. And I was staring out into the empty road uh, when a small red beat-up looking pickup truck uh, pulled into the lot and um, idled beneath the uh, brightly lit canopy. Mm -hmm. Um, It was pretty common for cars to pull off the main road from time to time um, at all hours of the day just to use their cell phones or for any number of reasons. Sure. Um, So... On this occasion, uh, the small pickup truck uh, was parked on the lot for a few minutes 
uh, when a man got out of the passenger side door and went around to the driver's side. Um, and there he leaned on the driver's side door, chatting loudly with the driver for some time. Uh, the man was dressed in like tattered and mismatched clothes, um, much in the way I would I would see the common outdoor person dressed. Mm-hmm. Um, he had kind of an, an overall disheveled appearance, and it was also clear that uh, the man may have been intoxicated by the tone of his voice mm-hmm. and by the way he was kind of heavily leaning on the door and uh, kind of slurring his words. Um, I couldn't exactly hear what he was saying exactly, but I could kind of hear the kind of the intonation and the from from where I was, uh, so just couldn't only get a feel of what he might have been saying. Um, so at some point, the man went off to the bed of the truck and pulled out a trash bag filled with bottles and cans, and then dropped it on the sidewalk in front of the office. Ah, um, litter bug. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I originally thought was happening, um, and the and the reason um, I was able to uh, tell that the the bag was filled with bottles and cans is because that sound we all know that sound of like you know clinking bottles and kind of crunching cans that a a bag makes um so it was also pretty common for people to dump garbage there so this is about when i was um considering going out and telling them to leave and that they couldn't leave trash here uh but it was late and we were in the middle of nowhere and the guy was drunk and feral looking so i decided just to kind of wait it out Right, right. No need for a confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the man went back to chatting uh, with the driver for some time, and then the truck drove off, uh, leaving the man behind on the lot. Um, I continued to watch the man who was now standing alone in front of one of the large office windows, looking into the glass. He couldn't have been looking into the office because there were tinted blinds drawn down from inside, Uh, which made it impossible to see in. Um, It seemed he was looking at his own reflection while muttering to himself, which he did that, and he did that for some time. Um, He didn't seem to be aware of my presence. Uh, I was, my camper was kind of parked amongst the rental trucks and kind of in a shadowy part of the lot. Uh Um, And um, yeah, maybe he just thought that it was just a row of, you know, empty trucks there. Um, So he turned, so at one point, um, he turned and walked away down the dark road and seemingly off to his next destination. I thought he had left. Um, and I felt relieved that he was gone, and I felt only slightly irritated that he left the bag of garbage behind. Mm-hmm. Um, then, a, then a minute or so later, or actually a minute or less later, I should say, he reappeared back on the lot, uh, determinedly uh, to- walking toward the office. Um, but as he stepped back into the bright light of the canopy, his outer appearance became, began to transform, um, and the tattered and mismatched clothes shifted into a clean, smart-looking black coat and pants. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and his um, original scruffy appearance became a well-groomed and kind of a presentable appearance. Um, and then he walked over to the trash bag uh, and picked it up, and as he did... It also shifted into a nice-looking professional messenger bag, uh, which he then slung over his shoulder and walked away up the dark road hmm. and on, onto some other mystery. Wow! Which was wow. Yeah. So I mean, okay, this happened. What what were you thinking? You were standing there. You were in your your truck, and you're you're looking hey. at this bird in your office there. 
uh, and you're looking at all this and you see this person shapeshift and his garbage bag shapeshift, what in the world did you personally make of it at that particular point in time? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, I like to imagine there are many layers to this world and maybe there are people who are kind of visitors or travelers even um, that are kind of visiting from maybe an- another dimension or something. At, at the time, of course, this theory <laughs> didn't come. I was kind of nonplussed um, or in awe at the moment. So what I thought had happened, I I don't know. I was just kind of feeling like I witnessed something, a, a great mystery, and I wasn't scared. Uh, but looking back, yeah, I think he, he may have been somehow, um, yeah, extraterrestrial of some kind or... Um, yeah, just something beyond our comprehension. Now, have you experienced other supernatural things or was this the only one? In this area, I, I had seen another uh, figure um, kind of in the distance walking in a very odd way um, at, at one point. And as he, as he, as he was walking, he, his gait, the way he was walking, it was almost like he was rocking back and forth in a very unnatural way hmm. uh, for a human to be walking. Yeah. And um, as he got closer, I noticed that he was actually just a torso up, or from from the waist up was a human body, but below his uh, waist was a cloud of smoke. Huh. Um, and somehow he was uh, the the smoke was were somehow acting as a way of legs for him where his legs should be, and somehow he was floating on this cloud of smoke. And he also uh, was dressed like a traveler. He had kind of a, a traveling jacket and a big um, backpacker's backpack on as well. Um, and it was also late at night in the same area. And as a car drove by, um, he ducked behind a um, one of those big green kind of a power unit boxes, you know, electrical box type thing. Yeah. And, um, and then that's it. Then he kind of vanished. Um, so, that, yeah, that's another... Um, Thing in the same realm that happened that that's kind of same area interesting it sounds like a very very kind of spooky place well magnus thank you so much for joining us and thank you for sharing your story on the campfire thanks for watching thanks for tuning in to the campfire we appreciate it and we have a very special shout out yes for dana her birthday was on February 24th, and we want to give her a big, belated happy birthday and a stay spooky. Her daughter, Haley, asked me uh, to give a shout out and glad to do it. And years ago, Dana introduced her daughter, Haley, to the campfire, and they've both been listening ever since. So Dana and Haley, too, stay spooky and happy birthday Dana, if you want to get your own special video shout out for me, you can go over to cameo.com slash the Jim Herald. That's cameo.com slash the Jim Herald. And there you can sign up for a very reasonable fee uh, to have me share birthday greetings, anniversary greetings, congratulations, holiday greetings, whatever it might be. Right now I'm looking at the page and we have a 5.0 average, the perfect average for reviews. And again, we try to keep it extremely, extremely affordable. I know there are people on there who charge a lot, lot more. And I decided I wanted to make it something everybody could access uh, if they feel so inclined. So please check it out. Cameo.com slash the Jim Herald. 
and it does support the shows. We appreciate it very much. And we appreciate you tuning in. And please share the show today with a friend. Maybe from the app you're listening to, you hit the share button right from your app, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it might be. Most of them have a little share button right while you're listening. It's a very easy way to send that off to your friend who loves the spooky stuff and grow the family. We've got to grow the family. We thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe and stay spooky. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Tune in again next time for more stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things.